This is Jonathan Hickman, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Pinpoint accuracy. They're like a Patriot missile. So what I that's what I hear. That's what I hear. Or a heat seeking missile. How about that? That's how it works. Okay. Ah. You know, I call him as I see him. Yes, you do. Right. Just trying to get uh, some members of this uh, trio all jacked up this week. Get them all excite. Mad excite, yo. I think it's a foolproof oh, plan. It is. Nice. Yes. And and it's pretty foolproof that you came here because, oh, we love you so much. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 867. And I'm a very excite and optimistic Vince B. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. I am David A. Price. I suppose this is true. I am course and Bennett do Paris, but you human slime can call me Exodus. Wow. <laughs> biblical. Some biblical shit going on there. I was gonna call you Eeyore, but I'm rubbing it in too much, mm. so we won't go there. But you're not Exodus, dude. You can't be in charge of that many people. You have work to do and money to make. <laughs> you're Jason Wood, everybody. All together on this regular old episode, all we're going to do is talk comics and have fun. This is how we do it. And you know who else loves comics and has a lot of fun? The people over at CheapGraphicNovels.com. What do they do? If you have to be that silly to ask that question, you're not reading the name. CheapGraphicNovels.com. You want omnibus? You want trade paperback? You want manga? You want of collected edition that doesn't fit in within those three that I mentioned before, you go to CheapGraphicNovels.com. Let's go traipse over there right now. So I'm looking at the main page. Guess what? Spider-Man Clone Saga, Omnibus Volume 2, 40% off. Hulk Gray by Jeff Loeb, 40% off. Uh, you like that Moon Knight character? Well, you can get Moon Knight the Mark Specter Omnibus Volume 2 for $75. That's 40% off. Thunderbolts, they got them, 40% off. Strange Adventures, the deluxe hardcover, 30 bucks. That's 40% off. I could go on and on, but you, oh, wait, I got to. Dark Knight's, Met, Dark Knight's Death Metal Omnibus, 40% off, 75 bucks. Trigon, the deluxe edition hardcover out of Dark Horse. You know how nice these things are at Dark Horse. $34.99, that's 30% off. That's a great discount. Don't think about it. CheapGraphicNovels.com. And once you place your first order, guess what? You're going to get an email confirmation, unlike me today. And mm. um, they're going to say, hey, thanks for ordering, blah, blah, blah. Here's what you ordered. It's coming soon. And you're going to reply to that email confirmation saying, 11 o'clock comics sent me. And they'll say, oh, my good friend, let us open another door for you. This is the door to free shipping on your next order. That's what you're going to get, free shipping on your very next order. It's amazing. No one does that. CheapGraphicNovels.com. Go there. I just told you how much you're going to save. What are you waiting for? Well done. Thanks. I'm going first this week. There's a shock. Make it happen. Yes, but... Wait, but wait. Before that, though... That's what I'm saying. What you you drinking, though? Um, okay. 
I'm probably going to botch this because <clears throat> I'm not used to doing Viking. My Viking accent isn't very good. But I'm drinking Einstock. It has a umlaut over the O. So it's either heavy metal or Viking, right? It's Einstock Olgerd. Icelandic wee heavy. It's a uh, Sefram Ledur. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. It's from Iceland, actually. Yeah, they make. I, I like their beers a lot. Yeah, and it has. Uh, I'm looking for an alcohol content. I'm guessing maybe like. Uh, it doesn't really say. It should, but I just can't see it. So it's up there. It's like about 37 percent alcohol. So I'm drinking it. Hey, one of, it's not. One of the, um, one of the, the first time I think I had it, um, the quiet man had some samples. Uh, so, you know, you, 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 you buy the beer and then they, you, you so I have a glass, I, I have the pint glass downstairs in the kitchen. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it's, it was really good. I haven't had it in a minute, but yeah, like it a lot. Nice. What you got, Jason? Yeah, I got that that good good coffee, and right. uh, yeah, respect it. And went to then, Italy, uh, or stock? It's an espresso. Yeah, it's okay. an espresso. Um, and although I'm in the midst of trying to uh, to raise my coffee game up, I'm trying to trying to get up on this this nice cappuccino, you know, espresso and cappuccino situation, and start drinking that. But we'll see, dude. Um, Sanka. Sanka, no Sanka, um, and uh, and then I got a G two lemon lime uh, for after that. Wow, G zero nice, rather. Sorry, nice, G G nice zero. Yeah, you need that dessert afterwards. I get it. Yeah. Uh, well, like Vince, um, this is actually Trooper Robinson's premium British beer from Cheshire, England. Uh, Four point seven. By volume, alcohol. Um, it's not it, made it, beer. Yeah, uh, yeah, with um, with Eddie from the um, uh, well, from from, it's it's not the exact, but it's 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 from the uh, the Trooper single. So peace of mind. No, no, but this particular he's he's dressed like the Trooper. Right, but that's from peace right, of mind. It's from it? the peace of mind album. Yeah, yeah, it's a great album. It's a great album. They're all great up until uh, yeah. somewhere in time. Uh, well, no, 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 Brave New Seven World's Sun, really good. Seven Sun's pretty good. Okay, yeah, that. All right, yeah. I haven't listened to too much of the new new. I still kind of, I like my little comfort comfort yeah. zone of, uh, of those those four or five albums. I mean, I had a friend. Whenever Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner would mm-hmm. be played, he's like, "Dude, you all feel 14, like you're minutes? you feel like you're on the boat." You hear the creaking, you're on the boat. I'm like, sit down, Tony. Jesus. All right. Excellent. Now, let's talk about the comics. Um, I don't know if you guys are ready for this. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's throwing the gauntlet I, down. I yeah, that. I don't. I really don't know. But, you know, sometimes therapy has to be really aggressive. <laughs> so I'm thinking I'm thinking this is definitely going to cure what ails you. If you. But you have to, as in all types of art, you have to surrender to it. You can't go in expecting it to be something it's not or, or looking for deep 
Well, there, I guess there could be deep-seated meanings lurking underneath the, the surface, but you don't really need them in this book. This is just a celebration of everything that makes comics fun. Okay? You ready? Okay. You, you strapped in? I think so. Jason? Hmm? Venom. <laughs> Fucking Venom. This thing is called Death of Venomverse, number one. Ridiculous title, but it plays into the concept, right? Death of the Venomverse, number one. You know who wrote it? Cullen Bunn. Cullen Bunn. In the oven. Oh, yeah. Illustrated by Erardo Sandoval. Color art by Jim Campbell. Let me tell you about it. Are you sitting down? I just I need to know if you're sitting down, especially at the end. The the punch to this issue, you gotta be sitting down or it's gonna knock you right on your ass. So you're ready. Yes. With bated breath. Okay. You do know that the carnage is no longer Cletus Cassidy. The carnage entity is a single unit now. It has no host. So keep that in mind. So the carnage entity is screaming across the multiverse. And it has one simple goal. You could put periods between these three words. Kill all venoms. Why does it want to kill all venoms? Why? Well, I mean, venom and carnage never really got along. But with every venom he destroys... He takes their powers. And everything is in an effort to get strong, to get experience, to strengthen himself for what will be the final battle. He wants to destroy Eddie Brock, the OG Venom. Wants to take him out. But he feels like he needs, you know, go around the track a bunch of times so he can get that speed up, that get limber in order to fight that final fight and win, right? So, the Carnage symbiote is riding bareback. No host. Book opens straight out of the out of the gate. He kills a venomized rocket raccoon. We see the rocket mm. raccoon carcass all dead and shit. Uh, that's one reality. Then he hops into another reality and obliterates a venomized X twenty three Wolverine. Then he goes and kills. A bonded Ant-Man. And it's really inventive how he, how he kills them. We don't really see how he dispatches the rocket raccoon because that opens the book. But we get to see the other two, and they're a lot of fun, right? So on his tail is Agent Venom. You guys familiar with Agent Venom? Yes. And Weighing, right? And Virus. David knows who Virus is. Jason, do you know who Virus is? I'm guessing he's another symbiote. Yes, but who's under the who's the host? Ooh, um, Mary Jane. Matt, no, I would not read it if it was freaking Mary Jane. <laughs> it, inside, under the symbiote is Mac Gargan, the Scorpion. Oh, okay, yeah, the right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're hot on the heels of the Carnage creature. I gotta be real specific, the Carnage creature, because there's no host, right? And they want to destroy it, number one. And number two, they want to protect this young mania, this, this young lady, Andrea Benton, right? She's a symbiote too. And, but she has a hell mark, a pentagram on her. It gives her this, this like infernal power. Um, and they do not want Carnage getting this hell mark. 
backstory, I guess Flash Thompson, somewhere along the line, was a gym teacher. And this this Andy young lady, he tried to say he, he the only thing he would do, he had no recourse. In order to save her life, he had to bond her with the Venom clone. That's all I know. I never read anything with that in it. But that's what I've, my research, because I'm like, who is this mania? I don't know what this is. Um, so, Agent Venom and Virus, they're leading uh, the Carnage symbiote into a trap, right? They're popping across realities. And the, hello, the, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the heroes are all from Earth 1051. This is the trap. You have Peter Parker, Wade Wilson, and Clint Barton. Now remember, the car David knows this. The car because he reads good comics. The Carnage entity assimilated the Spot's power. Remember Spot, right? Well, it doesn't end very well for Agent Spider-Man. <laughs> he teleports various limbs of Peter's and then closes the portals. So Peter's Peter's dead. Uh it also doesn't go well for um Agent Deadpool, who can take a couple of lost limbs, right? But Peter, I felt bad, right? So um and he kills Mania and gets the hell mark. So this kind of forces Agent Venom and Virus to call him back up. Like, oh shit, what do we do? Um there's a double page spread. I'll leave that to you to read and discover all the identities of this backup group. And I want to tip my hand in another slice of the multiverse, the carnage creatures facing off against a venomized electro. You may see where this is going. He, and this is the female electro. It's a uh, electro. I didn't notice if it had breasts. I was too excited. Um, okay. Probably not. Probably not because this is remember this is an alternate reality. I don't think That's in this right. That's yeah right. I don't okay. think in this reality um, yep. yeah so easily eviscerates Electro, but in doing so he pisses off Electro's team. Are you ready for this? I, I don't think Yarbrough's going to tell you anyway. Venomites uh, the this uh, Electro Venom's team. It's freaking brilliant. The Symbiote Six. <clears throat> Venomized, shut up. Venomized Craven the Hunter, the Vulture, Doc Ock, Mysterio, Green Goblin, and Rhino, and they all are venomized. That is stupid amazing. And in the last page, you're just like, oh, you see the team, Doc Ock's got his hands up, and they're all freaking venomized. It's insane. The second issue of this came out today. I didn't want to read it though, because I didn't want to dump too much awesome on you at one time. So I just thought I said, ease it in. Just the first issue, and then when you hear about it, you, there's no way that you're not going to want to read the rest of this thing. It's almost too much. But like I said, sometimes you need electroshock. Boom. You need a little bit of that, that rough therapy to get you over that hump. This is amazing. Well, shit, I know what I'm doing on Friday night. You're going to read this. Oh, cover to cover. It's it's a bigger issue, too. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a little exercise. But, uh, nice. oh... I, I'm going through it. I, I, it. I had a false start. 
the first time I read it. I wasn't quite in the mood. I was at a hard day. You know, this is the, this is the trick. Had a hard day, came home from work. I was just like, ah, let me see what's up with this. I read like two, three pages, and I, the the beginning is a little, it's a little rocky because we lose Rocket Raccoon. I mean, regardless of what what reality you're from, it's still Rocket Raccoon, right? Nobody wants to see the the little man go down. So I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not just not in the mood for this. I put it aside, came back to it when my mind was in a better place. And wow, it's amazing. It's so much fun. And it's a five-week event. So you're going to get an issue of this every week until the, the miniseries is done. I don't. I pulled the van over to the side of the road. I opened the back door and offered you guys some candy. It's. It's. I mean, it. It. It literally. I mean, it, it's still a few weeks away, but this. It's like it literally made for my birthday. Thank you. See, it's amazing. I loved every page of it. I went back and I felt bad because of the false start. I read it again and it got better the second time. Even the and that's even knowing what happened. It was so good. It'll be even better when you read it the third time later tonight. No. No, because nope. the second issue, I have to, I got stuff to do tomorrow. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know how you guys want to play this because I have a lot of Marvel this week, and I'm sure you guys okay. do too. And I also have another Venom book. So we could have a Venom Orama, or we could just group it all up into Marvel like and have a. We, I, I, we could have. Yeah. Like, who's, who's, who's about about boy? I don't know who. So I mean, if we got if we have a lot of Marvel, I'm just gonna put drop the blanket because I don't remember the last time we had a Marvel Orama. It's been a minute. Yeah, or it may have been recent, and it was just too traumatic for for some of you, and we just forgot about it. But yes, <laughs> so Listen, good. Man, this it's is your why, show, buddy. It's, it's not. Your, it's your. This is why I read comics. It's this. Good. This this it, issue is so ridiculous. The, the the ridiculousness is just baked right into the the whole pie, and I, I got to give Colin Bunn uh, credit and and the whole creative team. The Symbiote Six, uh, that is that is Chef's kiss. It, it is something that I would come up with if I was more cunning or more bunning in this case. It's just good. Yeah, I hope they make this a hardcover. And the covers it, it, of this thing are how amazing. These, these, these things hit sometimes, like right, like like. Well, like, we all have we all have things like this that hit us just right, and they tickle us, even though they're, you know, kind of corny. And then other things very. were just like, oh, that's so corny, yeah. right? But I just I put um, all of my uh, expectations, all of my questions, like you know, how the hell do you do that? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to make sense. It's, it's venom and carnage. Well, it's not. It's 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 symbiotes. They don't symbiotes don't make sense. They can't. It's just silly. It's silly fun. Yeah. I like the costume designs for, for Agent Spider-Man. It's real cool. De- Deadpool kind of looks a bit the same, albeit a bit bulkier. And, and um, uh, Hawkeye, yeah, he. it's it's odd to say. And this, I had this um, shock when the first uh, symbiotes came out in action figure form and they were like lime green and there was a blue bluish purple one and i'm like oh i don't know it, it, that doesn't feel right because you expect a symbiote to be either black or white or um or red right but then it grew on me i was like oh this is kind of cool and the accessories you get are kind of neat like i bought all the symbiotes all of them the 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 hulk scorpion one is phenomenal you ever see that one it's bulky as shit and it's 
It's Hulk Spider-Man with a with a scorpion tail, and it bends. It's oh. great. Yeah, but uh, I'm a mark for the symbiote, so I I realize that mileage may vary on this, but it is just a lot of fun. And I know when Jason says he's going to read it, that he's not going to read it, but that's okay. There is zero point zero percent chance that I'm reading this unless it becomes a book of the month. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool. We'll have Colin on. Great. And you say, Colin, sell me on this book. He'd be like, my dude, didn't you read it? It's the book of the month. All right, somebody else go. I hope there's joy because I'm bringing more joy after this. You, clearly, you said everything you read this week except for one thing was awesome. Everything I read. There is uh, – there's, there's – Absolutely one thing that I, well, more than one thing, but one of the things that I've read that, uh, that really, I am, I, I, I'm not a slave to, but I appreciate continuity. I appreciate when creators respect the past or, or at least remember things that, uh, that have happened in the past. And, of all the of all the Rick and Morty stories I've read, Crisis on C one thirty seven is probably to date my favorite, and that that also includes Worlds Apart, the the page that I inked. But this particular issue, this, this miniseries, um, and I and, and what happened? No, I just said Jason because you rang a bell. Jason usually rings the bell. <laughs> it's true, he does. Um, this uh, this miniseries is written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated, beautifully illustrated, by Ryan Lee, and uh, colored by um, Doug Garbark and Gabe Fisher. And, and as all Rick and Morty stories are basically <laughs> most Oni books, lettered by Chris Crank. And um, what I love about this miniseries is that uh, if you if you enjoy not just enjoy the cartoon, but if you actually pay attention to the season long plot lines, they're they're they are there. They're they're subtle and and they can be hidden, but over the years, there have been some characters that have shown up more than once. A lot of a lot of characters are just one-offs, and they're either destroyed by Rick or or um, their planet is doomed or whatever. Sometimes they'll they'll come back, but this this miniseries is um, basically so Stephanie's watched every season, every episode multiple times, and uh, it it's. The focus is, is is kind of a crisis because a lot of um, a lot of Rick's enemies, uh, not even enemies, but anybody that Rick's pissed off over the years, which is a lot of people, the universe, uh, are in the story. And um, there's there's one there's one episode um, dealing with this supergroup called the Vindicators, and um, and in this episode. They they call they, they they put out the alarm they 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 put out the call for you know all the it, it's like the the 
signal watch or the the jla satellite whatever we need everybody to show up and and so the call goes out and, and morty's all excited because he's like the vindicators that they're asking for us and he figures you know this is gonna be the second time that he and uh, he and rick are gonna be teaming up with the vindicators and he's so excited about it but it actually we find out as the episode continues that this is the third time this particular band of indicators got together and and morty is all just crestfallen he can't understand it and and it comes out that they didn't call rick or morty for the second event because rick just pisses everybody off they didn't want that drama they didn't want that negativity so rick is completely shit-faced he gets stupid drunk blackout drunk and he sets up this this massive um he 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 sets up a bunch of booby traps for the vindicators because they pissed him off so much. And basically all of the vindicators are, are, are killed off in this episode. Supernova is one of the only survivors and she shows up in the first issue of this along with snuffles or snowball, which was a, which was Rick, which was Morty's dog in the first season who ends up um getting super intelligent makes a robot body for himself and uh and then like most of the dogs from that planet get uh, get sent to another planet where they can just kind of thrive and survive and and rule so you have these two teaming up to take on the smith family and and rick um but all throughout the story you see other characters show up mr nimbus which is basically their version of namor uh and then you but we find out who the big bad is the person the the creature pulling all the strings and it goes back to another episode where uh where jerry was trying to shave a few points off his golf game and and it's just i mean the fact that that she pulled this little nugget out from the 60 odd episodes that we've had is just it i the chef's kiss is basically what i'm saying this, this was a fantastic story uh seeing seeing the whole family come together to to battle this evil that's attacking earth new york gets destroyed uh it's it's just it's it's absolutely insane if if you are a fan of the cartoon and you haven't tried any of the books that only has put out i absolutely without a doubt recommend crisis on c-137 and uh you 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 will absolutely not be disappointed ryan's art like i said is wonderful i i, I like he, he's he's still you can still tell it's ryan lee it's not like it's 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 not exactly like it's drawn in in the cartoon um but everything is still there everybody still looks like they're supposed to look like it's great the uh the the soft cover of the trade if if it's not out, it'll be out shortly. Um, I mean, you, they even bring back the Rick and Morty zombies that were buried in the backyard when Rick and Morty came to this particular Earth because they're not they're not originally from C one thirty seven. That's C one thirty seven. That's that's this universe is this Earth's um, designation since there's multiple. Uh, but I mean, like I said, there's just a, the, the amount of characters that they bring back. For this story um absolutely just just blows me away you got the vindicators you've got kiara who is an alien who um who jerry hooked up with 
while he and Beth were divorced. Basically trying to do it because to, to make Beth jealous, not that it would ever happen. But Kiara's got, got three breasts, uh, the, the massive belt, massive melon of a head and uh, and and telekinesis. She's a hunter. Uh, so so she shows up trying to fuck things up. And of course, she's pissed off at Jerry and and Jerry being the spineless piece of crap that he is when he had to break up with Kiara. He basically. Instead of being a man and breaking up with her, he said that my my kids, Summer and, and Morty, they don't like you. They don't like your race. They don't. And, and he basically so he basically threw his kids under the bus to break up with her so that he wouldn't look like the bad guy. He's just Jerry is just a a a miserable human being. Yeah. And yeah, he absolutely is. And, and, and as 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 Rick has pointed out countless times, the only reason why people gravitate towards him is just because they feel sorry for him exactly. and they just they 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 they're afraid that he's going to go off and commit suicide and it's like it's like we just we're just we're staying together because you're just you're 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 too much of a weak willed man to, to to live life on your own and he gets no respect from his family and nor should he but uh this was i i there could be a whole episode devoted to this but it, it's just it's it's it, it, it looks great. It reads great. Uh, I was as 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 we're going through and and rewatching past episodes. Uh, I there were a lot of things while reading this that just they timed right with some of the episodes that we were bouncing around watching. Um, so it really hits a little harder um, depending on how fresh some of uh, some of the episodes were seen or. or um, how the characters are um, in your head, but no, this was uh, this was like I said, without a doubt. If, if you enjoy the cartoon, definitely uh, get this get this trade or the issues um, as as soon as you can. You absolutely will not be disappointed. Is that this just this? Uh, I'll say it, it. It put a massive smile on my face as I read it throughout. There you go. There's the well, seal of approval. Now we have a problem. What's that? Because I got a Stephanie Phillips too. So, how do we break this up? Well, but you also, if you get to it, you also have a Rick and Morty book on your list. I do, but mm, I was going to save that. Uh, we got an Oramo Oramo. Because you, you didn't, you didn't read it yet. I was just going to save that. I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. I was going to wait for it to complete, but I mean, I'll, I'll read the issues. It still has two it. more issues. Yeah. So, two or three. Uh, so. Uh, but yeah, yeah that so sounds... I, th- 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 this was a blast. Uh, that's one I don't have. Uh, well, Dave, it's, it's, Dave was I, missing one of the issues, so I didn't. I didn't okay. pick it up. Okay. So I'm just going to get the trade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, they even stylized the the crisis word to look like yeah. a, resemble the DC crisis, which is one of the reasons. What, which is why I I checked out the first issue when when Oni sent the preview, and and I was like, all right, I just I'm going to wait then because yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll just wait for it to finish, and I'm so. So glad I did. I it, you need to read it in one one fell swoop. It's just it's so good. I I'll be thinking about this one for a while. I definitely if they make it if they put out a deluxe hardcover like they're doing for some of the stories, I'm definitely getting it. But I'm I'm absolutely getting the trade. Yeah. Damn, sounds like an O'Klosker's potential. Pick. It very well could be. Wow. Shit. Yeah, Oni does good stuff. With I I have to be completely. Uh, transparent. I believe that the prices of their trade paperbacks are a little on the high side. 
but their hardcovers do not do it, I will throw you out the window. I will do it. The the prices of their their hardcovers are it's worth the investment. But the trade paperbacks yeah, yeah. are like flimsy and and thin and I think yeah, like twenty four ninety five. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of money for for yeah, four issues. Yeah, 20, 25 bucks for four issues, and it's a soft cover at that. So yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah. Jason, elucidate it. Let us hear something. Oh, look at you with the big words. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Biggie words. Um. Today was a good day. Oh, nice. Because I read something that, I mean, I know you two, well, Vince especially, just like everything he ever talks about. Like, oh, it's going on my 11 o'clock. But, uh, but, but, <laughs> wow. when, but when I say it, I mean it. I think I just, going, oh, hmm? I just got a mud hole stamped in my chest. Like, what are you doing? Hey, man, hey, all like I see it, you know, keeping it real. Um, There's nothing real about this. That. This book is going on the Oscars. It's on my ballot for sure. Not sure where yet, but it's going to be there. Um, long awaited, I might add. And uh, speaking of publishers who hit right, let's just give a shout out the first second because I I don't think they put. I mean, they don't put out a ton, but I feel like their hit rate is crazy high, at least for me. And this book is by first second. It is a guest in the house by Emily Carroll. Um, now, uh, I know that name probably means something to some of you out there listening. Uh, she probably is best known for her work Through the Woods, which, uh, talk about time flying, it came out way back in 2014, so nearly a decade ago. But that was a horror anthology graphic novel that she put out, won all kinds of awards. She's done a few things since, uh, most notably a book called Speak, um, which, um, you know, and, and When I Arrived at the Castle, which was a... Um, a vampire story um but uh but and, and they were good but but i think that for me through the woods uh was just like you know her masterpiece to this point but uh but but always on the lookout for her and i knew this was her first big work in a long long time so i was excited for it and uh and it delivered it uh it arrived in my dcbs box this this uh this morning and uh i read it uh as soon as I saw it was here, I'm like, oh, I'm going to read this before the show. And I'm glad I did. Um, for those who don't know most, if not all, at least everything I've ever read of Emily's work is horror themed. Um, so I don't know if she's done non-horror stuff. But but again, all the things that I've I've, I've read of her is horror. It's definitely her genre. Um, this book is uh, essentially a very excellently done, crazier uh, more supernatural take on Rebecca. Um, I, I, you guys know Rebecca. Are you familiar with the, the novel Rebecca? Uh, uh, yes, no, maybe so. Yes. Uh, uh, Sunnybrook Farm. That's who you talk about. I don't know who you're talking about. No, Rebecca. It's a it's a it's a novel from the 1930s uh, by by Daphne du Maurier. It's uh, it, uh, it, it's a it's a like one of those books that's that's you know constant always been in print it's it's a story essentially of a of a woman who marries uh above herself she marries an older guy who's a widower and he's crazy rich and at first the marriage is is like out of a dream but uh but um uh eventually it uh eventually like things go bad um i'm so, you guys maybe know it from i mean it's a hitchcock movie it's he, a, yes 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 yeah he actually won he actually it actually won best picture back in the day uh, oh, back in the go. 40s 
So anyway, um, so it's very much like that. And I think even um, Emily acknowledged that that was part of the inspiration for the book. So it's not like uh, it's not like I'm making a leap there. But uh, yeah, you're right, Vince. It's uh, Rebecca of Sunny Book Farm. That that's it was it was it was um, uh, that that's a different thing. That's because I was like, what are you talking about Sunny Book Farm? But there's a there's a children's book called that. But that's separate. Um, But anyway, uh, so the story is of a woman. I'm guessing she's probably around 30. Her name is Abby. She is uh, born and raised, or at least spent most of her life, in a small Canadian town, a like a lakefront town. She works at a supermarket, and she's had a pretty mundane life. She doesn't think much of herself. She's kind of a plain-looking woman, like she's you know not in like great shape. She doesn't really wear makeup. Her hair is not really done, and she thinks this of herself, like she doesn't think she's all that special. Um, but when we meet her, she is a newlywed. She's been uh, she she's been married for about a year to uh her beau who uh is relatively new to town himself he is a widower and uh he and his daughter are trying to make a new life in this town and and at some point he 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 got with abby and they get together and and they get married um so she's trying to find her place you know in a way she's kind of like amazed that this is her life now because he's a very successful dentist they have plenty of money she doesn't need to work anymore but she still does work um, and she's trying to fit into this new world of being the loving wife and, and a stepmom, most importantly, because her stepdaughter is uh, – they don't ever say her age, but she's like 12, 13-ish. Um, you know, that's a, that's a tough age to jump into someone's life, particularly when they lost their mom, you know, like her mom passed away. Um, so – but but she's making it work, you know. Like she's making it work. She's generally happy. She's she's like happy on a surface level. She there's a, an inner narration as you're reading the book where she talks about how she doesn't really find her husband sexually attractive, but she doesn't really like sex anyway, so it's not a big deal. Like she just has sex with him because he wants to, and you know, so she's like she's she's definitely kind of got of a malaise, like kind of a, a an outlook on life that's not really passionate about about any aspect of her life. But but generally speaking, she views her life now as better than it was before she met her husband. Um, and like she's meeting new people. They have a, a they live in a house on a beautiful lake and uh, they're meeting the neighbors and the like and, 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 and they're having, you know, cocktail parties with 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 her husband's business partners and their wives and the like. And she kind of goes through the motions and, and, and fakes it a little bit. Sometimes she's happy, sometimes she's not. But whatever, she's doing it and just dealing with it. But she starts just to notice that um, there's weird things happening. And like most notably uh, that his uh her husband's ex you know her husband's uh, wife past wife first wife um she was told by her husband that he passed away from cancer uh and and um and when they're at this they're having this dinner party with his partners one of his partners who's also a widower like comes up to her and is like yeah it's terrible that you know how are you dealing with all this it's got to be tough especially with the daughter and he mentions that uh like oh it's it's especially hard given how how claire left them and she's like, what do you mean? Like, cancer's tough or anything? And he's like, no, no, she didn't die of cancer. She killed herself. So Abby's like, wait, what? Like, he told me she died of cancer. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. She killed herself. So while this is all happening, like, I should say, like, visually, and like, the book is rendered for the most part in black and white and gray tones, you know, um, kind of reflecting how unpassionate Abby is about her life. Um but she has these dreams, these vivid dreams. And if you look at the cover of the book, um, you can see that that the, well, this illustration, she has these dreams with these incredibly vibrant colors where she pictures herself as a knight, like a knight in shining armor. And she's fighting dragons and she's rescuing damsels. And it's it's 
it's clear that this has been her like not imaginary friend but like her alter ego her escape for all of her life like she pictures herself in these in these modes she dreams that way she has daydreams about it like it's how she sees herself and uh and and so emily she she juxtaposes between these black and white pages of real world and then these pages where where we're in this this sort of dream or imaginary state this other world um and, and the visual juxtaposition is great again she's not breaking into ground there other other artists have done that but it's all about the execution she does it really well um but through all this it's a haunting um they're in this lake house and she starts hearing things and then she starts seeing things and eventually she sees this beautiful woman who kind of looks like a princess this ethereal pretty princess and, and she starts talking to her and she comes to conclude that this princess is in fact her husband's dead ex-wife and they become friends and they start talking about the the daughter and 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 the connection there and and it's almost like they become besties in a way but because it's a horror book like things start taking a turn as she's befriending this ghost she's noticing her husband now is getting snappier with her, her husband's not being truthful with her um Every time her teenage daughter is playing by the dock of the lake or getting putting her feet in the water, her husband snaps and says, get away from the water. It's not safe. You know, um, the husband himself, like even though he bought a lake house to live in, he doesn't ever go in the lake. He doesn't like swimming. And um, so like these things are starting to like freak her out, like trying to piece it together. Um, and it just evolves into this idea where. Once she's told that her, that the that the ex-wife kill or that the that the dead wife killed herself, she confronts the dead wife's ghost about this, and there is a two-page splash where the 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 dead wife reacts to to that confrontation of oh you killed yourself. It's absolutely stunningly horrific, and uh, she basically transforms from this beautiful princess to this completely overpowering takes up the entire room disgusting this just rage-filled creature and basically yelling at her being like i you know you fucking cunt like i didn't kill myself you bitch like i you know he killed you know and like it completely transforms and makes her realize that like not everything is as it seems and from there it just devolves where like she's trying to figure out who's lying did he kill her his ex-wife like why don't they want to go on the lake what's up with that and it goes places that I have to admit I didn't see coming. Like I thought at that point I knew where this was going to go and it ends very gruesomely, but it does not end in the way I expected it to end in terms of like the whodunits and the, what really was going on. It like has multiple uh, gotcha moments, but really well executed where you, you, you think something's about to happen. Something else happens and like, Oh, okay, cool. That's a cool twist. Then a thing happens after that. You're like, Oh shit, a twist on a twist. And then they leave you with a third. So it's like twist on twist on twist. And I know that may sound a little overwhelming and confusing, but I assure you, Emily executes it brilliantly. So you have full clarity about what's happening, how it's shifting. And like you're left just, at least I was, crestfallen. You're like, oh, like this is fucked. Like, and it's just, it's such a beautifully executed book. It's, it's, um, you know, visually speaking, I, I, I don't want to say it's like, it's not like Zoe's work in the sense that, like I, the line is different, right? But but it definitely reminded me of Zoe's work in the sense that this book also is just completely visually uh, unapologetic and 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 free. Like uh, Emily does complete, and she handwrites like all the fonts, like it. But she does completely different fonts and typefaces, and sometimes she uses panels, sometimes she uses no panels, sometimes she'll do splashes, sometimes she'll do uh, you know just complete like white space on a page with maybe like one image. But like she really 
one of the things that I've, as I've gotten older, that I just fall in love with are these, these people who use the medium in its full way. You know, they're not just beholden to this idea of what a comic needs to be. And, uh, and so I would say spiritually, like she belongs in the same conversation with Zoe and that like the book looks different and feels different page by page, chapter by chapter. And, uh, and those are definitely the books that get me the most turned on these days. So, um, it's great. You know, if you like horror stories, if you like the idea of like hauntings or, uh, or or how uh, you know apparitions can really fuck with your brain and, and 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 your perception of reality. Like this book is an absolute grand slam. Um, like I said, it's definitely going to the Oscars. It's great. I would be not be at least to this point. I have to look at my reading list, but to this point, it's definitely in the running. If not the favorite for my favorite book of the year. Um, now I say that realizing that we've had eight months and there may be something that came out this year that I'm forgetting right now that I'll be like, Oh no, I love that more. But, but this is an absolute home run. And, uh, so for those who are on the fence, definitely get it. Emily's back in full force. Nice. I like the color pages a lot. Yes. And it's right there, right on, um, cheap graphic novels homepage. Yes, it is. Yeah. Right there on the front. How about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's listen. It's no death of the Venomverse, but you know but, what? But then what is? Very, but it's very good, though. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, I don't know if this is going to be on my eleven o'clockers, but I sure had a good time with this. It's another Stephanie Phillips book. Look at that. Dad brought one. What? I bring one. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, it's a what if book from Marvel. Uh, I don't know why they're doing this, but me neither. No, between the it's Chris. Wait, Chris. Uh, In between, in between the if and the question mark, there's an ellipsis. There. What is that about? I don't remember there ever being an ellipsis between the if. Yeah. Forever. I don't know about forever, like from the very first volume with those few issues. But yes, they're they're. Because I've, I, I've written it that way because that's how it is. It's um, so so silly. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. I was too too excited. Yeah, and, and like the TV show was that way too. Like the yeah. the Marvel. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. this is what if Dark Venom number one. Yeah. And the reason why I jumped into this because the focus, the star, is Ben Grimm. Nice. Yes. Uh, written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated by Jethro Morales, color art by Israel Silva. It takes place post-Secret Wars. So Ben has just come home from off-planet being Rocky Grimm Space Ranger, and he, of course he's feeling sorry for himself, and it doesn't help very much that Reed is insensitive. Uh, Reed is insensitive. Wouldn't you ever see that? Um He's insensitive to Ben's feelings on the anniversary of the accident. I guess in this scenario, they meet up every year and they don't celebrate, but they just commemorate the, the hor- not horrible, but the events that led them to become the Fantastic Four. Most of which is on Reed, right? Uh, he wouldn't have become an orange-skinned monster if it wasn't for Reed. So, and other factors. But uh, Ben's wallowing in self-pity, and and, and, ooh, and he comes into to the Baxter building to, to meet up with Reed, and Reed's, of course, Reed, and leaves the room. And so Ben's alone with the symbiote, you know, in the glass tube. 
and Ben's tapping on the glass and, and he's focusing on the symbiote and the symbiote kind of uses Ben's uh, self-pity as an opportunity to get itself out of the, the glass prison. So Ben frees the creature and bonds with it. Cool enough, I think, a Ben Grimm uh, venomized thing. That's that's cool. Uh, but something happens with the bonding of the symbiote and Ben, something that Reed couldn't even pull off. He'd been trying forever, never pulled it off. When the symbiote takes a back seat, Ben returns to human form. And he's like, whoa, Stretcho, you tried to do this. You couldn't do it. This thingamajig gets on me in 10 minutes and look at me. I'm Ben again, right? So Reed's like, wait, wait a minute. This is not safe. You can't be doing this. You got to put that thing back in the tube if you can, because there's very, there's danger involved in this thing. And Ben does what he's done a thousand times before and he stomps out, leaves the Baxter building. He's like, whoa, Um, this is the strange part. Again, another book featuring the lizard. Um, the lizard pops up. <laughs> Why? Who knows? Maybe it was just uh, maybe the character's uh, Philip's favorite. Who knows? But anyway, the lizard kind of gets into Ben's brain, right? And he lays it on pretty thick. He's like, that thing that you got on you, you know what? That could very well cure me of my problem and other people like us that are saddled with this thing that is not them and we don't know how to get rid of it this this creature that you got bonded to you could prob could solve it and ben's like i don't know and the lizard is all well you're a hero aren't you 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 claim to be a hero let's let's share the cure and so ben uh, not one of his brightest decisions he allows himself to to step into the lizard slash kurt connor's uh thingamajig doohickey and the lizard is not about sharing. He he bonds with the, he he extracts the symbiote from Ben and bonds with it and goes ape shit. Just makes a beeline back to the Baxter building. And I'm not going to tell you what happens next because it's far too traumatic for me to go into detail about. Uh, no, not going to. It's but it's very creative. Uh, but I'm not going to get into it. And Ben, um kind of steps in and he tries to correct a very costly mistake on his part i'm going to downplay it you know just so some of the magic uh of this issue can you can experience it yourself but uh ben pops the lizard's head like a grape Mm. yeah (laughs) just 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 completely you're dead sorry kurt but you fucked me over and now you're dead it's, again, it's one of those things where, you know, it's 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 uh, one of the reasons I love comics is because it's silly and ridiculous and you get to see Ben in a symbiote um, alien. When, when did you ever see that? I can't tell you when I've seen that, but it's kind of cool. I would love to see a Marvel Legends of Ben in the symbiote costume. It's neat. And not the lizard so much, but um, yeah. And this issue goes there. It gets really dark in some spots. Like, um, if you're a Fantastic Four fan, this one, it's kind of like Last Ronin, right? We're feeling some kind of way about the the conclusion to Last Ronin uh, or the the various 
Sayonaras in Last Ronin. Well, this is this single issue is kind of like that. You're gonna have to say goodbye to people that you, if you're a Fantastic Four fan, that you love a whole lot. And it was rough. Mm. There were there were parts that were really rough. Yeah, but I loved it a whole lot. And I think uh, you do well to read it. What's happening? I'm getting all messages in here. What's going on? Yeah, the it, the uh, the ellipses started in the 1989 uh, volume. Oh, nice, nice. So the original series does not. The original, have it. Yeah, I knew. Is not yet. Okay, okay. I think it's clunky. I understand that they're saying "what if," and then there's more to the sentence, and right. so you want to put that ellipsis in. But I think just "what if?" question mark would be more to the point than. I mean, it's it's just semantics. It's stupidity. It's but personal. even the original didn't have the question. No, mark it's just "what if." if. It had "what if," and then the title of, or whatever the story is. But that's a complete sentence. Mark. That's a complete right. sense, right? Right. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. It's what? I said I tend to agree with you. Right. It just reads better when it's like, what if the Hulk, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I mean, the OG, the, the, the original volume, the original series, it, it's, it's almost like, I mean, obviously it was a numbered series, but they could have all been like one shots just based on, on that title, whereas... The ellipses is just like, oh, that's the title of the book, and every issue. It, so it, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's obviously a choice, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm good either way. I still, I, I, I don't really. If I'm thinking about an issue, I don't pause when I say what the what if is this, the, the 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 story is 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 telling. But what whatever. It's a lot of fun. Just keep going with it the fun. It's, 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 I, I don't, I know that, uh, I haven't checked out any of the what if darks from Marvel, and that's probably because I'm still put off by the, uh, the dark, um, versions of, uh, the, the multiverse stories that DC had for their alternate reality tales for for all their events like the dark war of the gods or the dark uh the crisis or the dark uh death of superman and they were just they were weird because they didn't it i didn't think it made sense for dc to tell the to, to make a big deal about dark versions of those of those stories but here um marvel tends to i i like some of the titles i've seen for the what if dark from marvel so you talking about it has me um wanting to at least check out what's uh what's, no, what's they're out fun there. they're fun there's more than one cover yeah. to this thing um nick bradshaw yeah nick bradshaw did a variant cover that combines the this man this monster cover with um the uh, i don't know what issue it is maybe two the one with spider-man in the in the glass doohickey, remember, and uh, so it's 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 a very well done cover because this man, this monster fits. If you have a symbiote hanging off you, and Bradshaw's Susie's pretty damn good, like it a lot, Aww. like it a lot, yeah. But I think there's like three covers for this issue. But whatever, uh, whatever you choose, I think you're gonna have a good time with it because it's Ben. Who doesn't know Ben Grimm? We all know Ben Grimm, right? We should. I mean, if you've read comics for decades, you gotta know Ben Grimm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one of the most real uh, characters in the Marvel Universe, I think, next to Peter Parker. 
for me anyway. Yes. Lots of fun. Yeah, he's a G. He's like a, yeah, he's like the first, like, street level just dude. Well, literally you know? the first. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's, yeah, yeah like, you know, Yancey Street is just a regular Joe. Like, yeah. Smart, but doesn't like to let on because, you know, read smart too, but. Married well above himself. For real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jewish. Mm-hmm. He is, yeah. He's a member of the tribe. That's true. Well, so yeah. is so is uh, Jacob Kurtzman, who is the the alter ego of the thing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, really cool issue. But uh, um, I I don't know how Jason has resisted talking about these X books. Well, why don't you tell me? So, a little background. Uh, we all ended up reading all of the it looks like we all read all of the first issues that are coming out post the Hellfire Gala. Yes. Uh uh Goss. And um that surprises me that you guys are on this, but I, that makes me I'm happy that y'all read them. Um and Vince pinged pinged us and said um I really liked he's like I'm surprised or you'd be surprised to hear that I really liked them all save for one of them. Yeah, I thought one was And and I said, "Well, stop stop right there." Uh I said, "Let's save it for the show. You can tell us which one you didn't like and then the others uh we can talk about why you did like them." Well, why don't you pick one? Oh, did that you... I think you didn't like? Yes. Let me see if you, let okay. me see how how uh how well you know me. All right. Well, just so, let's just make sure that we're all on the same page because actually, it doesn't look like you read Alpha Flight. So yes, that's I did. Ironic. Yes, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. It's not on the list. Okay. So um, we've got Children of the Vault number one, Alpha Flight number one, uh, Dark X Men number one. Um, I don't. You don't have your list, but did you read Uncanny Avengers number one? No. No. Okay. I didn't, that's, so that's one I didn't read. Okay, and then are you counting Immortal X? Uh, Immortal I did. X-Men number 14? I did read Immortal X Men. Yeah. No, you read it, but you count. So that that's in that's part of this conversation, though. Sure. Okay, so we've got uh, so we've got all right. So you didn't read Uncanny Avengers. Okay, so you've got Children of the Vault, Immortal X Men, uh, Dark X Men, and Alpha Flight. Yep. Which one did you dislike? <sighs> this is a no-brainer, my dude. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, I know the I know one you did like because we all talked about that already. Um, I don't know. Um, I'll just tell you. Well, I'm going to go with Dark X Men. Oh, oh no, I love Dark X Men. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. Really, I don't know which one you did. Like. I I had zero entertainment value from Alpha Flight Number One. I knew it. Oh, because it's on your list. Okay. I see. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, it actually it was a trudge and painful. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think that at all, but okay. And see, there we go. This is why it's interesting. Debate. Well, why don't we start there? I would, uh, let me, hold on. I, I don't know if you've opened that, but uh, it's, well, I know it's, I'm trying to remember, it's at, written by Ed Brisson. Um, and, uh, Art by Godlewski. That's right, Scott Godlewski. Okay, there you go. Uh, first of, I believe, a six issue miniseries, right? Either five or six, but yeah. Um, well, so this is interesting because I love Alpha Flight, and I always hope and pray that when they do it every few year Alpha Flight miniseries, that it will be well executed enough that it goes on for you know a regular series, and we get twelve to twenty four issues. That never happens. 
<laughs> um, you know, it definitely is a book I feel like is a snapshot in time. Those of us that were reading the X books yeah. back when when Byrne launched it loved it. And uh, we remember it fondly. And no one subsequent to us in comic generation seems to ever care about this team in any way, shape or form. Um, they have spent the majority of the last bunch of years as basically uh, Carol Danvers lackeys up in space. Basically, she's she's been in charge of Alpha Flight for some reason, and Alpha Flight's been hanging out in a space satellite, kind of like the uh, Watchtower in the Justice League, and they have been doing her bidding period periodically, mainly seen in her own book. Um, so this is them back at Department H, but it's not your mom and dad's Department H. It's it's uh it's like a little bit uh, Trumpy Department H kind of thing, right? Like. You got this new head of Department H, and she's saying, "Oh, I, 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 you know, we can't live in fear. These mutants are a, a danger to the society, and they're they're taking their what they were doing in the U.S. and moving up here, and we can't have it, can't have that. And so I've got a team here that's going to be our first line of defense, and it is part of Alpha Flight. It is not the entire team. It is, uh, it is uh, Vindicator, Snowbird, uh, Shaman, and Puck." But it ain't the rest of the team, and uh, and they're basically to enforce an anti-mutant doctrine. Mutants have been banned from Canada, and um, there's a lot of talking in the book, a lot of political pa- posturing. I will say I loved Box back in the day. It was one of my favorite parts of Alpha Flight. So when they say, hey, we've got this new, we got Box Jr., the son, he's he's taking over the program. I thought, oh, that's cool, because we haven't seen Box in a minute. Like, I, I can't remember the last time we saw uh, Box in any way. But they're, the, this Box is, these Box robots are Box Sentinels. And it's like, damn, we got a lot of Sentinels running around, because we, we got the Tony Stark Sentinels flying around the U.S. But, uh, and, uh, and, and they basically end up going up against the other half of Alpha Flight who are fighting to protect their mutant brothers and sisters. You got Aurora and North Star and uh, Nemesis, which is a bit of a deep cut. And who am I forgetting? Um, there was one other, right? Um, Vakken. Oh, Fang. right. Fang. Yeah. Fang. Now known Sorry, as Fang. Fang. Yeah. Now known as Fang. Yes, Dakin. Um, and it's like, uh-oh. Alpha Flight versus Alpha Flight. But, and I guess some mild spoilers, like all is not what it seems. It's the, the, the one side is not really playing for that side. I'll leave it at that, but uh, they're all united in their, in their effort. Um, so you hated this one. It's interesting. I, I mean, I will say it like this. I didn't hate it at all. Um, it's pretty much like what I expected it to be. Honestly. Um, I think Lusky's art is okay. I, I don't think it's like the greatest alpha flight art I've ever seen. I thought it was like, but it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't deter me. There were a few other of these X books where the art deterred me, um, but uh, but I, you know, I, again, I, I didn't I didn't come away thinking like, man, like I've been missing this. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, Alpha Light story. It'll be done in six issues. It's likely given the setup that they have here, it's not going to go anywhere beyond that. So it is what it is. So, but I have a like you have soft spot for you with the symbiotes. I mean, I have a big soft spot for Alpha Flight. Like, well, it, it I is, mean, I have a very soft spot for Alpha Flight. And and I think Burns' vision set a bar very high. I love that series. Even when mm-hmm. Burn left, mm-hmm. it was still mm-hmm. the same, but not the same. And at the risk of 
number one, being a hypocrite. Number two, turning into you from last episode. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the whole the whole um, legacy talk that we had, where something sure. years and or decades later, we hold it up to the original light. Uh, does it cast a long enough shadow? I don't think this did. I just, uh, I, I was. Oh, yeah. and I, don't, I don't disagree with that at all. But the problem I have with that statement is, and again, I don't want to turn this into a, like a downer, but I think that of most, and I think you do too, actually. I think that of most superhero comics. Like, sure. No, I'm with you on that. Most superhero yeah. comics are, are a pale echo of, of the things that we loved about them. Yes, sir. Not because they're worse, but because we have read hundreds of them. And so, like, like it literally is an echo of itself. Again, some of, I'm not suggesting, like, every superhero comic made today sucks compared to those that came out 30 years ago. I'm just recognizing that my ability to connect with them is much harder because I have seen all of these drum beats a thousand times and that's right. and that's it's a me thing already it's anyone that gets older and you just continue it that again it's, we don't have to relitigate this but i'm so i generally agree with you like i didn't read this and think oh man like man burns got to be like secretly reading this in his robot room somewhere being like hell yeah no no i this is this is like derivative stuff using the same characters i'm not going to argue that like yeah right I mean, and and it's completely unfair to hold this to the the greatness or compare this to the greatness of the original series. It's it, it's not fair at all. It's not the original series. It's it's being produced, what, 40 years after the original series? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is, that's an unrealistic expectation for me to have, to have a, a contemporary book capture the magic of a vintage one. And and I'm I'm, I'm I'll sign that check. I, I realize mm-hmm. it's 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 all on me. But we've seen a lot of bad takes on Alpha Flight over the years. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's just like the Clayton it, Henry one. Yeah, where, I mean, he, the art looked great, but like the different, the all new team, and like they got the old man and the Aborigine. It was yeah, it was, yeah, it was it's comics, right? It's not that hard to get the original team together. You find a way. Guess Sasquatch back. Like, let's manipulate the the comic book tropes in a way that facilitates bringing the entire original team back. And who knows? Maybe that's going to happen. But you got one chance to hook me on a new series. And if the first issue doesn't do it, like Fantastic Four, slots Fantastic Four, if you're not going to ring that bell with the first issue, I'm not sticking around to see whether or not you manage mm-hmm. to eventually. Well, do particularly it. with a miniseries, right? I mean, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I it just felt hollow to me. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, again, I, I like Godzlewski's art, but a lot of the characters, especially Aurora and Northstar, they didn't look like I would expect them to look. They were more not in love with that all black outfit. Yeah, yeah just just a little too stylized, a little too uh, angular, right? Um, the only yeah, one that I don't just, disagree. The only one that really. Uh, fit the bill was Vindicator. It's kind of yep. hard to screw up that costume. And I'm not saying Godlewski screwed up anything. It's just that I have, there's a recognition that Alpha, with Alpha Flight that has to be met for me. And sure. this wasn't it. It just, mm-hmm. you know, a- a- again, it shouldn't be. <laughs> because I'm I'm an old fart and most of the people reading these books are are creeping up on their 30s. Let's, you know, be honest. So I'm out of the bracket. I think we all are out of this bracket. Oh yeah, more or yeah. less. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't hate the book. It's just like, all right, you tried. Good luck with mm-hmm. it. I hope it catches on, but mm, not for me. Well, it sounds like I mean, Dap like you liked it better. It sounds like than than Vince. Like basically, I did like it better than yeah. Vince. Uh, I 
would I have my my time with Alpha Flight pretty much uh, it it didn't end when Burn left. It may have left. It may have ended um, before Mint Love left. But um, <laughs> yeah. it's it's that's I mean obviously just like you guys that that's what I'm going to compare any other Alpha Flight iteration to those those. Those first few issues getting the band together until, you know, Heather goes and kills her husband. They, these are all just this is a fan. <laughs> she didn't mean to do it. <laughs> she, she, she just, it, it's, I, I love it. I could go back and, and revisit those first 12 or so issues anytime. And, uh, would I have checked this out if it didn't tie into the whole fall of X? I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't, but I, I am glad I did. I, you're absolutely right about Vindicator's costume. That is still one of my all-time favorite superhero outfits to this day. Uh, a little I, bit I, of I, a takeoff on simplicity Captain of it. Right? Yeah, but I mean, Major Maple Leaf. What else are you going to do? That's right. your symbol. Yeah. Um, you, you, I, I thought you know. Obviously, there's there's going to be some things were a little subtle in this issue. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. If I, I, I mean, they set it up. Obviously, whatever Box Junior is going to do, or how, whatever control he's going to have over these, that's going to fail. And it's it, everything is set up, and some of it may be predictable, and I may still want to see how it plays out. But um, seeing seeing our heroes um, again working for the government like they always have, and, and, but their agenda is a little different because yeah, you know, no muties up north and. It's. I, I thought it was going one way, and and I was, the the, the little bit of a twist at, at at the end. I was happy to see that. I was I I because I'm all about that whole uh, you know whether or not the um, maybe who side are you on the whole intrigue and and uh, I I thought that, that that kind of I'm not saying that saved it for me, but that it it, it perked me up a bit. When I when I got to the end of the issue, and um, I I I really liked Scott's work when he was drawing Superman a couple years ago. Um, I, I I like his work. Period. Um, it was uh, it was neat seeing some of the characters again, especially like I mean Nemesis. Like I said, it was a deep cut, and 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 it shows up, got the little sword going. Uh, I um I I, I did dig it. It wasn't, it may not, it wasn't my, wasn't the best Fall of X book I, I read today, but it was, uh, I, I did like it. I, I liked it. I liked it more than Vince, but I, I mm-hmm. like, I'll, I'll, I will, I will be back for the second issue. Wow. Nice. Yeah, me too. Me too. Wow. <laughs> now, now that scene, you know, this, this, this begs the question. Well, first of all, let me get, uh, uh, Vince, you didn't read Uncanny Avengers. Did you read it that? I started it. I didn't get to finish it before we got here. You don't have to bother. Yeah, you don't have to bother. Okay. I did. I, I, mean, it, I, did flip I thought it through was bad. It, yeah. I mean, I thought it was bad. It, like, and, and again, you know, I don't want to be like, he's a very capable artist, but Javier Caron is ain't it for me on this. Like, it's like, like, you know, nothing bothers me more in superhero comics than when like certain panels and pages are rendered really well. Yes. And then other things, especially at like the corners of the, are, are like r- rendered really terribly, and like way off model or unfinished. And you're like, bro, like 
like I'd rather you give me less refined art, but consistent throughout the whole panel like that. Cause that doesn't, tr- that doesn't, my eye doesn't get pulled to it. Right. Like my eye gets pulled to the wonky drawings in this. Like, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a, you know, that like, Oh, you drew Psylocke like she's four pounds. Okay. Oh, like, that <laughs> face is, looks like it was smushed into t- like, in, in, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a trash compactor. Like, but like, which is a shame because most of the page is nice, nicely done. But, but like, I'm like, Oh, like you, you, you lost your way there. It's like, uh, you know, when a, you get a back tattoo and then like they mess up the dragon head, right? It's like, Oh, like you could like the scales, you can mess up, but you don't mess up the head. Everyone sees the head. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a mess. Uh, I think, and I think narratively it's written by Jerry Duggan, but it's, uh, now keep in mind, you guys know, I went on the rant about the hellfire guy. Like, like I am not about this post, like this, this new status quo. I'm not about it. So right. These oh, I was thinking about eight, that. Yeah, these books have a huge, huge uh, thing going against them before I open the pages. Right. So I, I think my enjoyment of these books was not um, uh, attached to the the Hellfire Gala. Like I, I could not care less what happened in that issue. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it was it was pulled off with any kind of. Uh, creativity or a plum i just think it was a means to an end so that's how i'm looking at it i'm 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 taking the fall of the the x-men as okay it's done it's finished charlie screwed up a lot of the x-men are dispersed some of them are are still on the planet a lot of them um and now this is a new status quo where the 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 racism and the xenophobia is is still or xenophobia is still is back and the X-Men are, are on the run from Orcus. Okay, that's all you need to know. Uh, whatever happened in, in, in the Hellfire Gala, whatever, it's done. It's finished. I don't care. So in that light, I thought these books were really good. Like, new status quo, here's where we're going with it. I'm not validating what they did. What they did, right. they did it. But it's done. Yeah. Right. So I, I thought these books were making lemonade out of lemons. Mm-hmm. Right. Look at you liking Gambit. I always knew you liked. No, Gambit. I didn't like. No, no. He's yeah, he, no, he's that. just an accessory. He's just. An, can I, can I talk about that? Please. Okay. Uh, this is Dark X Men number one, written by Steve Fox, illustrated by Jonas Scharf and Nelson Daniel, with color art by Frankie Martin. Front and center in this book, this week. This week, we not only had a book featuring Cable, the greatest, <laughs> the greatest mutant of all time, but well, we that had, was the best book at this point by far. Yes, I agree. Uh, we have a, a, a book featuring Cable. We also have a book featuring his mom, Madeline Pryor. That's facts. Yes, and um, there's uh, the Limbo Embassy is is besieged. And, and Nightcrawler's dad, by the way. Yes, as I was going to yeah. say, the the, the legacy mm-hmm. aspect of Dark X Men is pretty strong. Right, mm-hmm. but what does it say? So, so Alex Summers, we know, is Scott's brother. Uh, Alex is Havoc, and he is ridiculously smitten with Madeline Pryor. Yeah. How do you go to family outings and say how? How does Scott look at his brother when he is totally smitten with a woman that is, in all respects, save you know the consciousness, his squeeze. She is Jean Grey for all intents and purposes. 
I mean, not not the whole limbo thing and the and the you know the 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 demon queen and all that that stuff, but physically, genetically, to the eye, she is Jean Grey. So how do you say, like, dude, you're 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 essentially banging my 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 woman? But not it's even but even well, it's even more the direct than that. I mean, Scott himself was banging this. this oh right, woman. well, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's where she's from. It's it is it is a little it's it's weird. It's weird. And I mean, and I say this as someone who um, did uh, spend time with his brother's ex-girlfriend. So <gasps> it, it it can be you scoundrel. That's kind of cool, it, though. That's kind of maybe that's well, yeah. Well, no, but yeah, <laughs> I think that's really neat. But it's like it's like Scott Summers. Like, do you want to his brother? Do you want to watch me pee? Like, how much more can you know about my my sex life? Like, when my wife is nude, you know what my wife looks like when she's naked. Like, it's just weird. It's very strange. You know what my wife tastes like? It's it's crazy. If you hear Madeline Pryor fart, that's how Jean Grey farts. Like, it's just strange. I I granted the character. This one thing about this issue really kind of, it didn't sour me. It, it. I, went, I know exactly it, what it is. What is it? They left Angel to die. No. Oh. And of course they didn't. They, 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 he's not going to die. No, but I'm just saying they just fucking but left, they left him. him behind. But I think I think they left him behind because Madeline has a plan and he's going to be like their their. Well, and he does have a healing factor. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, like they do with, with with all the X books, they they have the little. The roster, they have the roll call, they have the rundown of all the characters that are, are the heroes on the team. And at number 10, I was like, okay, that's pretty cool, even though he's on the cover. But, like, they tried to make a big deal about it being so... They, they wanted to make a reveal about it when he was in the armored truck when, when the mutants came to save uh, the right, change. Because you're, you're like, dude, he's in the cover, we know. Oh, right. that, that hit me right in the heart. Because- I love to see him, but I'm like, you kind of spoiled the surprise. No, it was like Alien Three all over again. It's it, he gets out of the truck and he. You're talking about Albert, right? Yes. Yeah. So and Albert's I, like and, and, he's fucking. He gets Archangel. Uh, he guts him, and then he gets gets fucking um, havoc in the throat. But he's the the thing that got me was they're just like yeah we had a scrap LCD because she couldn't be she was too feral to be reprogrammed and I'm like holy no, shit it's new it's new. It's like, and that's, and he's he's he comes comes out swinging. He's like he, he's stuttering and sputtering, talking about looking for LCD. I, it's, I, was, I I'm all about Albert. I love to see him. Mm-hmm. I'm just I would have loved to have been more surprised by the reveal in the truck than seeing him in the roll call at the start of the book because I know he's in it. And yeah, yeah, I know he's on the cover also. If I didn't get the variant, that's one thing. But it, it I would have rather have been surprised as far as the story goes instead mm-hmm. of yeah. they, they could have done the roll call or the credits at the end of the book. But, but whatever. But that's right. Some of the things that 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 really got me uh, excited for this series, the Mercy Crown. I think that's brilliant. That's cool. Yeah. That Madeline has a dark cerebro. That's and it's on a fucking <laughs> spinal column. That is great. Oh oh oh! The first is it the first? Uh, yeah, the first double page spread. I absolutely love the way uh, Sharf laid this out because you have Alex following Madeline and she's doing her spiel about, you know, 
how this is a sanctuary and, and, and everybody's safe here. And they're walking down the stairs. And as, as your eyes follow the stairs, you end up down at the lower panels. You're not, otherwise you you would, somebody else might just, as they're walking down the stairs, they could have read the panel in the lower right and then read right to left incorrectly. But I just, I thought that the panel layout, the double page spread, I thought that the, the, the way your eyes follow the story and, and, and the characters walking down the stairs. I love that page. I just, yeah, I, I, I think it's I, I, the way that's understanding comics right there. Yeah. But you could thank Will Eisner for that. He, he instigated it, but let's be honest. Frank Miller perfected it. Death of Electra or Electra lives again. Come on with that fucking stairway. That's Frank Miller right there on that page. You're looking at, I don't care. It's true. It's Frank but I mean, the some of the highlights, the the Mercy Crown M plate being in the group, shut up. That's I don't know how you guys feel about M plate, but I love M plate. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. Um, okay, I guess I guess you don't. I, no, I I don't know that I care one way or the other about M plate. Like, yeah, it's cool. I mean, yeah. I I like um, the fact that Orcus is now using Stark Sentinels. That's really cool. We're going to see how that's going to play out now that Stark is going to be married to Emma. I don't know what's going on there, but yep. that's weird. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of Maggot, but it's <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know who is, but kind of neat. <laughs> kind of neat that they're, they're pulling Maggot into this. I just think uh, Blasco being used as a as a table was real was very cool like let's just completely humiliate the one-time lord of limbo and he's he's now a table and and of course albert was great uh i i liked that it was dark and then in the back pages leading up to these events not so much like you know she hulk makes an appearance and azazel who as jason said is nightcrawler's pop I just think this book is great. The art was phenomenal. Both stories, the art was really good. Both different, right? Yeah. Um, the Fenris twins, when they're just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was really great. Um, and Kangaroo was fun. But they're dragging Ben Riley into it. Like, I don't yeah. know I don't know what happened between those two. I wasn't reading any of the Spider books, obviously. But... Um, Ben Riley is now attached to the chasm. yeah chasm. That's so weird. It sounds dirty, doesn't it? Uh, it he's he's involved with with uh, Madeline Pryor's group now. It's just weird. Sim or Sim, whichever you want to say it. Uh, it was in this. That's really cool. What was in the bowls on the table on Friday? I don't know, but I wouldn't eat any of it. I, I thought this really worked really well and. I guess the thrust of this book is Alex Summers is a doormat and is hopelessly infatuated with Madeline Pryor. Yeah, he's a cuck. She mm. she knows that and she's she's manipulating that fact. Like she she may I don't know if she really loves him or not, but she's capitalizing on his feelings for her, making him do things that I don't think Alex mm-hmm. would normally do. So we're going to see where it ends up. But Limbo, come on. If you're you're setting your, your series in Limbo, or at least part of the series is set in Limbo, uh, I'm going to read it. I love Limbo. And you know what's going to happen. Eventually, Ileana is going to challenge Mad- uh, Madeline for the, 
the throne again. It's it's inevitable, right? Possibly. That's how things work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I thought this was great. I love that we... I thought it was a clever touch to make limbo like the, where they're all hanging out. The safe house we keep referring to is, is the, is the embassy, the yeah. limbo embassy. Yeah. Been, it's been granted basically a diplomatic asylum, which I think is pretty neat. Like the idea that other dimensions are in the Marvel universe credited as like diplomatic immunity, you know, where they can have, they can have asylum. Like that's, that's an interesting idea. Makes sense. But it, it raises the question. If you have uh, a group of people that are granted diplomatic immunity and they're mutants, How's that going to play out in this status quo? Well, I should say I don't know if they have my community, but they have uh, they're they're granted they have asylum because they recognize limbo. Like so, all these right. as long as they stay inside of the building, they're safe. Well, you could do a lot of things from inside limbo. It's yeah, like, it's true. like a TARDIS, right? It's way yeah. bigger on mm-hmm. the inside than it is. So yeah. no, I think it's neat. The the, the paradigm's cool. Um, again, not commenting on how we got here, but I think. It's it's a it's a, a a good use of of whatever um, narrative restrictions they've put on the X universe now. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. Uh, but the book that I thought was a complete and utter home run, right from the cover on in, is Children of the Vault number one. Yes. Yeah. Written Far by away the best of the bunch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, because it features the the Marvel's greatest mutant. <laughs> written uh, Domino's not in this episode. no cable. but Cable is Cable is oh, um, right, right. written by Dennis Camp uh, illustrated by Luca Maresca with color art by Carlos Lopez again it, it, this is the fallout from the Hellfire Gala uh, the vault has crumbled right and the prisoners have been released they have been living under a manufactured reality an illusion yeah, manufactured. There was a great part of uh, probably was like a year, maybe a year and a half ago that the that story was unfolded. Forge basically created this whole paradigm right. to get them to think that they they won and took over the world. It was really clever. I thought at the time. I'm I'm going to be guessing that it's not going to go well for Forge. <laughs> yeah, because they now they realize well, Serafina one eighty seven, and the the number after the name is uh, indicative of how many uh, versions of this character preceded them. So it's like the doomsday thing, forced evolution. Um, so Serafina taps into all Earth's machines and she's like, oh, damn. Uh, mutants are, are scattered. We've been living a lie, buddies. All the success we thought we had in that there is never happened. So that, that hard-won victory, it's all make-believe. Uh, we've been imprisoned in a dream. And they're, they're not happy. Not happy mm-hmm. at all. So uh, front and center in this book is Serafina, Capitan, Luz, Pharaoh, Prisa, and Atomo. Yep. And it continues the theme. Cable is imprisoned in an Orcus black brain psychic interrogation site. And Cable's Cable. He knows, like, you know, this too shall pass. He, he, he's the George Harrison of the X-Men, right? Yeah. And uh, it was Josh Brolin cable too, for the record. That was funny. <laughs> yes, that, that was great, very great funny. Um, so he's he's in this this uh, psychic interrogation site outside of Washington D.C. They they took his ship, they took his arm, and, and they're torturing him for his secrets, particularly those about the future. Now, if you ever were had an inside track, uh, an inside track to the future would be a very very beneficial thing. 
So Orcus wants in. They want to know. Um, and he knows. He, he does his little calculations, his Zen um, machinations, and he knows I'm going to get out of here in three days. Roughly three days I'll be out of here. But somebody comes and beats him to the punch. Uh, unfortunately, it's Bishop. Wow. It's hurtful. Not a fan of Lucas Bishop. Um, he's been a thorn in Cable's side for a long time. That That's the whole chewy center of this book, that Cable and Bishop are forced to work together, even though they they greatly dislike each other. Um, and if, if you rip a page from Bishop's war journal, you realize that he's been real busy raiding and destroying sites, uh, Orcus sites that experiment on mutants that, that, you know, create and maintain sentinels or indoctrinating children in the war against mutant kind. Bishop's trying to bring him down, rightly so. And he has a list of uh, close to 2,000 Orcus installations, and he means to burn them all down. Respect, right? So the children of the vault, working hard, they rebrand themselves the children of tomorrow. And they uh, take on this uh, pseudo-benevolent uh, guise that they're going to usher humanity into the future. And, and they give humanity technology that can heal the sick or feed the hungry or, or create uh, living spaces for those that don't have any. Uh, they're, they're, they're basically they're, stepping into the void of what the X-Men were doing all the yeah, last few years. Yeah, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're tamping down on natural disasters. They're just being... Uh, on the surface, uh, the saviors, everybody's heroes, you know, and they, and because of that, they earn the publish the public's uh, admiration and and trust. Let's be honest, but Cable and Bishop, they're not buying it. They're like, nah, mm -mm, this is this is not what it seems. But you know, I got a safe house. Of course, Cable has a safe house. He's greatest mutant, uh, and, and, and he he goes into the safe house. He gets all patched up, gets a new arm. And uh, he notices something's off about Bishop's mind. He's like, wait a minute. You got something working on you, my man. So he pulls up his forearm. Beep, boop, 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 beep, beep. He brings up Nurse Hetty. Nurse Hetty. I know. A Betty Boop-styled AI that displays on his forearm. Maybe a far cry. And, um, and you know, the conclusion is, scans Bishop. Bishop has been afflicted by an idea virus. And it's not unique to Bishop, let's just say. It's been spreading among the populace. There, there's, there's humans that are like, become the future, and they're all about children of tomorrow, and they're, they're, they're you know, that's the, you know, the, the, the peanut gallery for this team, and the, you know, praising them and, and, and gathering, and they, to a, a man and a woman, all have the, uh, the idea virus. So what's up? Something nefarious has been implanted in the brains of humanity. And I think yeah. it was it was a great start, a, uh, an exceptional, Indeed. yeah. Yep. I want to see how the Bishop Cable thing pans out because, you know, they're not going fishing on Saturday together. They just they just they have too much uh, rocky roads uh, in the past. And uh, Cable being Cable, you know, he's, he would be the the first one to to try and and you know make the best of the situation but that's not bishop 
Bishop is pulls out that big ass '90s gun first, and then mm-hmm. you know, asks questions later. I, I I thought this was wonderful. The cover's smoking. It, I think the cover is yeah. absolutely beautiful yeah. cover. Nice yeah. to see yeah. the kid in the Marvel book. The uh, is refresh my memory. Is the beef between Cable and Bishop did that only start when Cable brought hope to the future, or were they fighting even before that series? Uh, that's a <laughs> That's a really good question. I mean, because obviously well, I know you know Bishop wanted this. I, I, I yeah. I mean, I, I, I just view. I mean, maybe I'm my memory's spotty these days, but I mean, my view was yeah, they disturb they have beef because Bishop hunted them all across the yeah. But <laughs> okay. the Bishop, the, the cable hope that? thing is is not is like aughts. So they they had yeah, to have math, math fraction, right? Yeah, they had no, to have Guggenheim. Guggenheim. Guggenheim, right, they, right, right. There has to be incidents before that because Bishop was out for fucking. Yeah, he was a time cop with the X, X yeah. SE. So yeah. yeah, he hunted Bishop or Cable before that. Had to. Xavier's temporal enforcers. There's a kid in this book with a Nimrod doll. Like that is ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, love it. Um. I just I, I think the team is, is not the team, but all of the the children of the vault are really cool looking. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even she though she has to wear a dress. E- e- she's even, completely naked when she emerges, and it's a robot body, but she's got to wear the dress. <laughs> well, right. Well, but, she's more. I mean, because she's appealing to the. Oh, absolutely! No, I, yeah. I completely get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the 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 fact that Pero, which is Spanish for dog. Uh, you know, just tell. Hey, maybe some people don't don't speak it. Uh, he he's on the cover, but he appears fleetingly in the beginning of the issue. And I'm like, I want to see more Paro. I think he's cool looking. I like the character. It reminds me a little bit of um, Ranzarox, a little bit, just a little bit. Okay, like it could take place. He could exist in that universe. Yeah, right. For I sure. this issue was great. It was. But how could it Yay. not be? How could it not be with Cable front and center? Word up. Yeah, Mareska. Yeah, Mareska's that dude. I think we've we've um, mentioned Dennis uh, Camp a lot recently. Like, uh, I, I can't pinpoint exactly the books on which he's, he's worked, but I remember, because uh, when I saw the name, I'm like, oh, this guy's good, right? Because I remember talking about his work, but I, I, you know, memory is fleeting. I can't remember what it was. But it had to be an X book, right? Yeah, you're on, you're on mute again. All right. Uh, bring it up the rear, I think, was uh, Immortal. It, it wasn't Damn bad. Damn straight, dog. No, it wasn't bad. I don't think it was. It was a whiff, but um, the. I mean, the meat of Immortal for me was seeing duplicitous Sebastian Shaw thinking he's going to come out out of the whole thing, smelling like roses and 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 with stacks of fat cash, and the kingpin got the economic windfall from Krakoa. That was pretty cool that the kingpin got it. He's married into the family, you know? Right. But other than that, I thought I, I, it was a fun issue. 
But if I had to rank it with the other ones from this Fall of the Mutants, I would definitely put it at the bottom, but it's not a bad showing, right? When the other two were so, or well, except for Alpha Flight. So I would put it above Alpha Flight, definitely, and uh, but below Children of the Vault and Dark X-Men. I would put it Hi. above Uncanny Avengers, but below everything else by a pretty big margin. You liked uh, Immortal less than Alpha Flight? Oh, yeah, for sure. Wow. Well, what about it turned you off? (sighs) Well, (laughs) I mean, first of all, it's the most direct follow-up to the Hellfire Gala, right? Like, it's the aftermath, basically. We're dealing with the aftermath. Right. Um, I thought that the Shaw as greedy industrialist was a little too, like, on the nose. Like, it just felt like, okay, I get it, like... Because, like, it just belies the way that Shaw's been, like, the cool, like, the neat thing about Shaw, especially during the Hickman, is, like, you know who he is, but he's, like, he's not, an, he's not, he's not some, like, I felt like in this book he was portrayed as an idiot, and he got played really easily, and that's not Sebastian Shaw. Wow. Like, Sebastian Shaw is a cold, calculated, like, he wins, like, that's what he does, that's why he's, you know, worth hundreds of billions of dollars because he he wins he sees the chessboard so like i i thought that was kind of whack um i had absolutely like just no time for the like skinny emaciated bearded xavier like in his feelings like i like okay uh all right charles cool like no zero time for that like it just does holds no appeal to me in any way visually like aesthetically thematically um yeah so and you know even though i introduced myself as exodus like exodus has always been kind of like the weirdest omega level mutant i think because he really only is effectual as someone who is paying service to someone he's worshiping and that's a weird dynamic if you're not a person of faith and so i i don't know man like like I guess a part of it was that the characters that this focused on are characters I generally find annoying. And then the one that they made the most fun of, I think is the one I find the most appealing because I think generally like he wins. And so just the whole thing kind of felt off to me. It wow. felt, uh, really surprised too, because Kieran Gillen, I think has been my favorite non Hickman writer during this whole X run. So I was very surprised by how much I didn't like this. And I'm going to blame the fact that Kieran has to try and make, uh, you know, um, wine out of water here because he's inherited the Hellfire Gallifa. I'm, I'm loving, loving, loving the biblical references from you. I don't know if that's yeah. in- intentional, but come on, you're leading the stragglers through the desert and your name is Exodus? Why don't they just, sure, call, yeah. they just call him Moses, right? Well, I mean, again, no, but but core to Exodus's character is that he, he needs to have uh, a, a, he needs to have a savior. Like, that is his Magneto was his first, right? Then he had Apocalypse. Then, then he, he uh, for all of for all of the Hickman run, it's been hope. Hope has been his 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 god, and uh, so like that is his nature. Like his nature is to worship. So, right. um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no. Like I said, I mean, I think probably in a vacuum, it was like a fine comic. But I'm just, it was so. It this is very much the follow on to this new status quo, which I just have no time for. I just don't have any interest in it at all um after you know obviously loving 
the Krakoa era. So I just am not interested in, in the post-Krakoa era uh, much at all. But you did read it, though. I did because I'm a sucker and I've read every X-Men comic ever made. Uh, I mean, I like at least the incontinuity ones. Like I, I just what I do. I, I read X-Men and Avengers books, even when they stink. I don't, I don't want to tell you. It's, it is a disease that I hope someday will maybe break myself of, but until that time I continue to read them. Well, uh, the positives, I think Lucas, uh, uh, Vernick's art was awesome. Well, he's great. He's one of the current, uh, I always want to say young guns, but uh, what do they call them? Um, so, you know, they, Stormbringers. Stormbringer. Yeah, Stormbringers. Stormbringer or Breaker? Stormbreaker, right. Stormbreaker, yeah, he's one of the Stormbreakers currently, and I, I just think deservedly so. He's great. Kind of cool how Charlie was conjuring mental monsters to keep the, the Orcus agents, uh, or, the, yeah, the agents off the island. That, that was neat. I don't know. I was I was entertained. Yeah, no, like 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 I said, I mean, if you're if you weren't if the status quo change doesn't hit you on an emotional level, which I would imagine for most people it doesn't, then it's yeah probably fine because then it's like just another well executed superhero comic. Like it's and all good. You but. love Celine too, right? Yeah, I do. I she's mean, banging well, I, yeah, I, I, I like Celine. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I mean, but even that, it's like, I mean, like, okay, like, we're bringing Celine, like, they brought Celine back um, in earlier issues of Immortal. I don't, I don't know if you, I don't know if you read 14 just on its own or if you've been reading Immortal. I don't know where you are with that, but um, they brought Celine in to be a member of the council. Um, right. Oh, if you, I didn't, again, I didn't know if you had been reading it, like, if you had been, but, uh, and, and, like, I thought that was kind of, like, you know, like, okay, like, I don't know, like, I guess what I don't understand is, like, I just feel like, you know what, Dap, you'll get this reference, Vince, maybe not, like, this to me read, like, um, like, when Vince books WWE, and it's, like, you have a story that they're laying out, and you're, like, oh, I'm feeling this, like, okay, and then one day you turn on Raw, or, like, a pay-per-view, and, like, it's completely it's the same people but like none of the things that they he had been building to he just changes his mind at those different stories yep. and you're like that's what this felt like to me it's like okay like it's the same characters but they're not acting like they've been acting it's like they got mind swiped they're all acting dumber than they like they're dumb now i don't understand why they're dumb uh, like so that's what i didn't get like it just didn't feel like there was such a tight precision like the beauty of the quiet council is that they're all badasses. They all were calculating and all had their own agendas, but those agendas collectively worked until they didn't. And like now they just they read to me like um like just much more simplistic versions of, of these characters. Like the ones I would have found in like a like a Chuck Dixon version of this of X-Men. Like it's like, all right, like so now these guys like they just seemed like they didn't have depth to them. And and again, like Maybe I'm looking for things to be bothered by because I'm I'm so appalled by the fact that the Krakoa era is ending the way it is. But but again, like so, I fully recognize that people's mileage may vary. But for me, I there's probably a direct correlation to the fact, that, like yeah, Children of the Vault is kind of yes, it's like but but the Children of the Vault are their own thing, right? Like yes, this is all taking place in theory because the Hellfire Gala happened. 
But like the children of the vault were always ready to do this. It's just that they were being kept at bay during the Hickman era. And now they're back out like that. So it doesn't feel like, oh, like everything like like Immortal X-Men felt the most to me like, okay, well, this is the new editorial direction. So like, let's make lemonade out of lemons. So, yeah. Um, and it bums me out because like Immortal X-Men by far been my favorite X book over the over the run. Like, so it is what it is. Well, what does it say about the new direction? And it just may be the excitement of it, uh, but it attracted two out of three of us who don't normally read all of the X books to read them. True. Although I would, I mean, I'm, I don't want to put words in Daft's mouth, but I would assume because of the way we all share reading, it seems like you read you read them, I read them, and then Dap's like, well, let me see, and he has some time, so he read them. Like, I Dap, like, I don't, like, you weren't planning, theoretically, like, two months ago when these were solicited to read all these, right? Like, it's probably... Your no, own. no, it, no, yeah. no, not yeah. at all. Yeah. But if it was something he really detested or just had absolutely no interest in, he wouldn't have read them at all. Sure, sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe being able to jump in and out of the X-Books in a situation like this is good, right? Because... I think so. Yeah, yeah. and we all like... we knew it was coming. Uh, I mean, Hickman departed, and we knew that good things. I mean, if you've been a reader of the Big Two for any stretch of time, you know that good things just don't last, right? Especially a status quo changing uh, take like Hickman's. Especially with the X Men, yeah, yeah it, there was no way that 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 status yeah. quo was going to stick around forever. But we were hoping that maybe we would get a couple more years out of it. I mean, creatively, yeah, I think I the, just think there's a lot more stories to tell that would have been new. You know, in this in that status, like in that world where they right. were a certain way, there would have been. I think there would have there was plenty more stories to be told that would have felt new, fresh. Um, I think that's the whole point. Hickman invested yeah. so much creative. Uh, substrate let's just say into the x universe don't you do it that um <laughs> th there were stories many more stories left to tell and it, it was i mean yeah it, it it's sad that it ended the way it did uh, in, in a creative sense nobody wants to well, see well, really, and, and again like this is not a it's maybe unfair to to, to factor this in the equation but I'm feeling some kind of like I'm feeling some kind of way about the fact that Hickman's back at Marvel. Like, okay, then why did like why did this all happen then? Like, as I understand it, and maybe this is like too inside of Hollywood for listeners, but like Hickman and a few other creators, some of which we know very well, I'll leave it at that, got crazy great deals at Marvel a few years ago. Like really, really advantageous deals they couldn't say no to. And those deals all ran their course, and for reasons that we don't need to get into, none of them were renewed, at least in the same way, of the same magnitude. Um, you know, Hickman, not surprisingly, opted to bounce and to do creator-owned stuff again, right? Which I, like, more power to him. I love everything he's ever done on the creator-owned side, so that made me more, I'm fine with that. Um but now he's back. He's fucking doing ultimates. He's doing like gods. Like, so if he's back doing like major Marvel events, then why did we, why did this happen? Like, why, like, why, like, I don't understand. Why isn't he just still running the X room? He, by his own, by, if you go back and listen to interviews, he did. He had like a 400 page Bible that he sent Brevoort and, um, and Dan, like 
to pitch all of this and said, but you need to give me five years plus to do it. And they were like, well, let's do it. Like he, it's not like I'm imagining that he like, I don't like, it's not like I'm like, Oh, he should kept going. People are like, Oh, maybe he didn't have any, he had lots more story to tell. And like, um, you know, and, and if you go back and hear it, like it was so brilliant the way he, he thought it through. It wasn't just like, oh, this would be a cool story. Like he thought it all through. Like he spent so much time about the resurrection and it wasn't just like a, his idea was that I'm so sick and tired of superhero comics treating death like it's a big deal when all the fans know it's not because they're coming right back. So I told all the other writers that were going to write X books that we're going to make them immortal. So you can't use that as a trope. So you can't write a story where someone gets killed and we're supposed to feign that we care. And I was like, that's fucking brilliant. Like, that's so meta. Like, he is removing an annoying thing from superhero comics as a rule by enabling it whole, whole hand. Like, I'm like, that's that's next level. Like, that's really smart storytelling. That's like Alan Moore kind of thing. Like, what is the trope that we use too much of? And let's create a world where that trope is no longer functional. So, like, there was so much depth of thought to it. And why the stories felt different is because he's put guardrails up that made the tropes that we that writers fall into impossible to use. And that was what made these this I, this world cool. And now we have all of those tropes back in spades. Yet Hickman's back being like one of Marvel's major writers. It's like I feel like my head's going to explode. Like if Hickman was just off doing image books, I wouldn't even think twice. But like my dude is writing two major Marvel events right now. Like, I feel like I'm going insane. It's crazy to me. I don't know what happened. Well, from a creative aspect or, or perspective, I would think that, I mean, if, if, if I somehow jumped into Hickman's body and, and was able to, to, you know, uh, translate his thoughts, I would think that I would assume anyway, that all of that energy he put into the Xbooks and being as, as creatively robust as they were, how do you work in an atmosphere where all the stuff that you just made has, in a sense, been erased? Like, yeah, you know the game going in. You understand. So you're very aware of just how these big two comics work. But his X-Men stuff was on a level... I would I think I'm pretty safe to say that it was unforeseen that unless we're talking age of apocalypse right that was a singular event where everything changed for a little bit of time a, mm. a, a blip but yeah. Hick, Hickman's X-Men went out for years yeah. what you 5 years so all of the stuff that you made all of this this electricity and energy that you funneled into this creative construct has now been leached out yeah and how do you work under that like what i think most of the creators understand like like you said i think they i think this is kind of thing where if you listen to professional athletes um like if you ever like listen to an interview with them a lot of them will say something that bothers fans they'll say something akin to like well the fans care about the wins and losses more than we do now that's not true of every athlete but like i've heard many like great hall of fame caliber athletes say that and like fans get all up in arms about it and their point is more like well listen i mean like this is a job for me like i this is how i make my living like yeah i care on some level but like it's what i do so like i can't care i can't like die over it right like i'll like this is what i do for a living my point being like i think with with any writer artist at the big two like you just accept that when you're done with the toys 
they're getting put back in the box for someone else to open. Like you, you can't, you can't get upset that it's going to be different because if you do, you have trouble, right? Like Claremont, obviously like salty Claremont, like, Oh, I don't read them anymore. Well, like that's probably the right move. Cause like, if you think that what's come after you isn't as good as what you would have done, then you're probably mental health wise better to not bother reading it. Then the reading get all salty about how they're ruining what you did, right? So that's where Hickman is. I doubt Hickman's reading the X Men comics right now. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I doubt he is. Right, but I mean, if he's doing a, a line wide event, at least some a thematic thing that all the books are going to be repeating. How do you not see what's going on in in, in the X books and not be like, well, you know, my ideas are way better. I mean, I on guess some, the check's on, big enough, right? Right. I mean, well, what, sure. Right? That that yeah. makes everything better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Miss mean, how we keep you around. It's true. Cause yeah. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only the only dividends I get from this show is is the the joy of being around you too. That's it. <laughs> the elation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. One of those stocks returns more than the other, but we'll leave it. Oh, at that's that. hurtful. Okay. <laughs> How do you know it's you? <laughs> I mean, because you, you hit me. You call me Neesman. No, I got I got the freaking mud hole in my chest. But anyway, yeah. I mean, if you're adventurous, and maybe you're one of the few Marvel readers that didn't check out Hickman's X Men uh, or any of the books under that umbrella, maybe you'll uh, try these out. Maybe you'll enjoy them. I mean. I thought they were great, um, almost all of them, and I think we all got a, a significant amount of entertainment from them. So definitely, what, yeah, what definitely. more can you expect? No doubt, no right? doubt. Yeah. So, as usual, this uh, dog and pony show has been brought to you by CheapGraphicNovels.com. Everything you need to know is right there in the name cheapgraphicnovels.com go there place an order you'll receive an email confirmation reply to that confirmation 11 o'clock comics sent me and you will be gifted with free shipping on your next order it's it, it's a huge windfall it really is and uh, check out the patreon page it's still there changes are a brewing and will be coming so uh, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics one one no apostrophe um just take a look around. It's fun stuff. I, I, I'm going to go with this one because it's the one that I don't want to speak on at length. I didn't um, not enjoy it. But as a culmination to the miniseries, I think, um, I think it's lacking. But yeah, so if I'm telling you to go in your travels, go read this, and the last issue doesn't um, fulfill the promise or 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 the the potential of the first issue, are you really going to read it? I don't know, but I have to be honest. I don't want to go short on the other stuff on my list, so I'll tell you about this one: Last Barbarians, number five, written by Brian Haberlin. And Hannah Wall, art by Brian Haberlin, colors by Jared Van Dyke. I, I, I don't know, Dab, maybe you can back me up on this one. I thought it ended, I, I, I just thought that there was a whole lot more of the story untold. And the creative team 
kind of um, just threw caution to the wind and finished it. Because I don't think it was a super satisfying ending. It was not. Okay, at least we're on the same page there. It just felt yeah. it felt um, like all the momentum that they had built um, in the four issues was kind of squandered by this last issue. Yeah, and especially with the penultimate issue, you had this great, I mean, the, the, the cliffhanger at the end. You're like, holy crap, how are they going to get out of this? And then it kind of just... Literally I mean, I, solved by a, a wave of a wand. Yes. Yeah. And, it was, mm, and it's know. like, I, you know, we could never... We weren't supposed to trust Falk from the beginning, and well, you knew that, that proved out to be. But it, but but, and I mean, I thought that the, I thought that, some of the, the whole idea behind uh, the, the bidding between you know chaos and order and and who was actually on which side and it, it there were parts of that issue, like it, it started off, like you know you were reading. Uh, it was continuing this the story that you were enjoying, but then about halfway through, you're know, like, "This is it. It, we're kind of just putting a neat little bow on it, like nothing, like there was no what what was what was the danger? Where were the consequences? It's like we just and uh, happily ever after." I, it, I, and I thought it was a little bit too convenient that they split both of the pairs. Yes. <sighs> I mean, yeah. the the ladies I couldn't care less about, but Wax and Wayne, yeah, Wax no. and Wayne, yeah that was I think was a neat concept, and I would like to have seen that continue in should this series ever get another mini. Um, I don't know. I just I I, I don't want to to denigrate what no. happened, but it just it's you know it's one but of those things where if you, we were we were loving where it started, right? It just felt a little left down. Yeah, I mean, if you sit through a film for two hours, and the last half hour is this, I don't know. I just do not think it was a a great return, a creative return on our our emotional investment. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> that was a, a rousing in your I, Yeah, well, the first four issues of the last barbarian. I think the, the the four issues are are fun. They're they're great, yes. and I, I'm I'm a Brian Haberlin Mark. Like I'll read anything that he does, it, but it's just this just was a little. It was a little off. A little off. Yeah, the, I, I think the potential of the the f- inherent in the f- at least the first two issues would have I don't know maybe a 12 issue series to 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 really explore all the stuff that they set up in 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 the initial stages of this this mini it just I don't think five issues was enough I guess no, that's what I'm was. saying yeah 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 would I like I you know I'd love to see Silva again yeah. um and, and the, the you know Malcolm's cool and well unfortunately our our uh, dynamic duo is is no more, but yeah, it, it, uh, last barbarians, try it. <laughs> Just uh, jump out of the car when the five issue marker, you know, speeds by. Just jump out. Write your own ending. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's uh, nice, but it's true. 
<laughs> in your travel. This this was fun because this is what this just brought me back to the annuals of the eighties and talking about Superman Annual twenty twenty three, uh, written by Joshua Williamson, slew bevy plethora of artists. Mahmoud kicks us off. Uh, then we have Edwin Galman, Caitlin Yarsky, Max Rayner, and Jack Herbert. Colors are by Dave McCaig, Edwin Gallman, and Alex Guimarez. It's basically a story, and the reason why we have different artists is because it's it's kind of like an anthology. It's it's uh, Lois, who's currently the uh, acting editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet. There's a little bit of a lull. People are a little complacent. So she, um, she sends her staff, and staff in question... Uh, Clark Kent is on assignment, so he's not available. Uh, but that's because we see him taking on one of Toy Man's inventions in the background. But uh, Jimmy Olsen, Cat Grant, Trish Q, Steve Lombard, Lisa Lombard, Ron Troop, Erica Edge, and uh, Miko Ogawa. Lois is sending them all out, and she's flipping the script. Um, instead of dealing with sports, she's sending Steve Lombard to the prison so he can have an interview with um with live wire uh cat grant instead of writing about any of the gossip she's going on patrol with uh metropolis pd so she's just having everybody kind of just shake things up uh the issue was a lot of fun um jimmy and um and lisa uh go to Supercore, the former Lexcore, and uh and get a tour. We get a nice little cutaway of the building there. Uh Parasite is an employee there and he's wearing a power dampening device, so it's not like he's gonna go crazy. Uh drawn very cute too. But uh you've got um we've got an appearance by Robinson Good, of course, which was she was created during the Bendis run. She's the Red Cloud, part of the Invisible Mafia, so it was a nice little throwback. Um, there are a couple of pages where we do actually do get a little bit of Superman in this issue, and um, my man looks an awful lot like Christopher Reeve. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I haven't seen that really since Gary Frank did it, but um, to get to the epilogue where um dr farm and uh, that's ph arm and uh and mr graft have a longtime favorite of mine uh basically held hostage as a prisoner and i'm talking about lobo but the very last page is just knocked me on my ass because we have Brainiac standing above the bottled city of Zarnia, and there, whatever's going to happen in Superman dealing with Lobo or any, because he's you know he's adamant about being the last one, except for that no good daughter of his that he claims he had. It's it's a great last page. I'm looking forward to this continues in Superman number six. So we're post night terrors, but uh, this was just 
the annual itself was a lot of fun seeing uh seeing the daily planet reporters uh in action um not so much so much a lot of focus on on superman himself but uh it was it was nice to see his supporting cast get some love and um and i was then glad to see it so yeah in your travels uh superman annual for 2023 nice um in your travels there is um no events Conover, you know i talked about his book about the mormons and that at the time i was pretty i'd been pretty uninformed about noah's work um and i'm really so impressed with it that i've been reading a lot of his older stuff and enjoying it and he's great and again i know i'm really late to the table there but um but i was certainly because of that really excited for his uh new book which is, uh, and I want to get the whole title right here, so let me pull it out. Uh, Paul Bunyan, The Invention of an American Legend. Um, it's uh, written and drawn by Noah, um, but it also has other uh, pieces in it, including stories by Marlena Miles, Lee Francis IV, and DeAndre Smiles, uh, who are uh, three um, Native Americans, indigenous uh, people. Um, which I thought was a really nice touch by Noah. But uh, this book is very different than the Mormon book, in, and it's why I did it for In Your Travels, because it's it's much slighter. Like, it's uh, it's basically the size of, like, a gold key book. Pretty small page count. Um, you know, this isn't a huge tome that, like, dives deep, because obviously Paul Bunyan is a, fictional, a fictitious character versus uh, Joseph Smith. But um, it's published through the um, Toon Graphics, so it's intended for younger readers. Um, but it is, as with all Van Skyver things, still very much worth your time and effort. Um, it talks about the very real um, history behind Paul Bunyan and that it was, uh, you know, a lot of us, myself included, just thought of it as, you know, I just lumped it in with all the other kinds of like folk tales that I'm familiar with, right, from being a kid. Um, but this was actually an advertising ploy um, by a um, by a timber company, you know, that uh, a lumber company that that was deforesting and they created this as an ad basically as a marketing pitch, which I had no idea. Um, and, uh, so this story is told from that, uh, from that vein, it, it shows us, uh, WB, uh, Lloyd, who is the marketing person and that actually created Paul Bunyan and, and his, his use of the character to, uh, help, um, market and PR his, uh, the lumber company that he worked for. Um, and the cool part about that is that then we have these uh, indigenous folks like Marlena who write and draw stories uh, from their vantage about Paul Bunyan and the uh, history of the character for them growing up in these areas. And then the very complicated history of coming to realize like what uh, what he was and, and what these forestry companies did to their native land. So it's a very informative book. Really well done. I mean, I, I very much like Van Skyver's um, art style. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know that the dude is capable of making a bad comic. I think he's just, uh, he's just on one, like a perpetual one. So fun stuff, quick read. Um, I don't know the page count. It's, I don't even know if I, if it has a page count, but it's small. It's like, Oh, here we go. Uh, it's 48 pages and that includes the essays. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a hardcover, but like I said, it really much looks like a gold key book because it is a hardcover, but you're getting probably like 35 pages of comic all in give or take. So but still worth your time. I enjoyed it. Uh, Paul Bunyan, the invention of an American legend. Nice. So you're going through uh, all the Noah Van Skyver stuff? 
Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Let me know when you get to the Grateful Dead book. Oh, cool. Yeah, I will. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> God. <laughs> Deadpan. Deadpan's just, not just, fun. Just sit by the phone, dude. <laughs> well, you know how to get me. And, and while, before we hang, before we do sign off, I will say I uh, I read Where Black Stars Rise this week on your recommendation. It was delightful. Oh, Good nice. Work. Yep, liked it a lot. Excellent. I like mm-hmm. when you say delightful. There you go. But you were right, man. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because, like I said, when you were telling, when you were talking about this book, and I, you said it was from Mary Inger. I said, "Oh, is it hot pink?" Because I'm so used to her using colors as such a big part of her storytelling. And then I know you said it was yellow, and it, obviously, it makes perfect sense given the, um, you know, the, uh, the connections uh, that it has. But, but uh, yeah, the, I mean, the yellow is so prominent in this book, but it is very yep. much on brand for her visually. Like that, this is, you know, like it, it just makes so much sense that she would have just swapped out her penchant for neon colors for yellow given the the subject matter right really really good Mm -hmm. okay everybody hey we we thank you for being here with us one more time we hope you come back next time is um oh guest next yeah we have have guest next week guest and then did we announce the book of the month i don't think we did we did not although i guess it's funny uh i do want to give a shout out to our pals um i'm following jason and uh this week i was on uh comics discourse 114 um the episode i do believe will be released next week we talked nice we talked uh the matt wagner and amy reader madam xanadu um and i did mention that uh, I, I jokingly said that uh, it's funny I, I did we didn't announce it on the show yet uh but if their episode is released next week, um, you won't hear it there first. But uh, this month, our book of the month is the massive tome that is Tales to Enlighten, Volume Two. Whoop, whoop. It's dirty. It's so dirty. It's and so, so dirty. Yeah. What have you done? It, it's it's before? almost like it was made with my taste in mind, right? Everything that I love is in that book. Oh, Cult, yeah. dirtiness, violence, mm-hmm. big dingy dongs. Like can't everything. wait to get into it. Right. Yep. It's even bigger than the first I mean, one. I, I, I don't. I associate a lot of those things with you, but big ding dongs is not something I associate with you. <laughs> Thanks everybody for being here <laughs> with us. We love you so much. In the meantime, go to your comic shop, buy some books, talk about them, love them. Uh, then give your loved ones a big old hug because you you know you never know. God bless you, Frankie. And um, oh, well said. Yeah, well said. yeah. Uh, pet your pets and say good night. <laughs> what have I done? Don't play that. The Deadites are going to come out, David. <laughs> I've watched that movie three times. I still have to. Good night. Mommy's with the maggots. <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. Yes. David. 
Nice. It is all the boys' fault, though. Completely, 100% all the boys' fault. Yep. Yeah. You just don't mess with shit like that. The fact mm-hmm. that the the tomb was covered in crucifixes didn't an idiot. That, yeah, of course. he is of he's course. an idiot yeah, yeah. didn't that give you any but the thing that got me is this i'm being david here for a second when they mm-hmm. go to get the pizza and they come back and the sister i forget her name rachel is carrying the pizza and the little girl's carrying the giant freaking sodas and the son is carrying nothing but his backpack like, what, what kind of a dumbass are you to let a, a seven-year-old carry those giant sodas? Like, of course she's going to drop them. And that was my take on that scene. Not that there's an earthquake that revealed the Book of the Dead, but that this little girl dropped three giant sodas, and now that's money wasted. <laughs> yeah, that's, not as, uh, that's not as derogatory as you made it out to sound. What do you mean? I want to be David for a second. No, you know how you care about stuff <laughs> like know, that? I know. Yeah. No, they, he let his little sister carry these giant friggin' big gulp cups, three of them. Yeah. And she's a little kid, this this adorable little girl. And, and, and she gets scared, and of course she's going to drop the, the sodas. Ridiculous. I mean, even if you want to let her carry them, you know, because she's a big girl and she wants to, you know. But nah, to too be, much be weight. Be aware. Yeah. Of, right, exactly. Just just stand next to her so that you can no, his head take over. So far up his but, ass. Yeah, yeah ridiculous. But it just propelled the story, so there you go. But I get it. The kid's a dumbass. Bye, people. Tell them. Tell them. Sincerely. Bye. No, no. I love you guys so much. Oh. All the loves. Love you so hard. Hard. Stop. Capital H. Same H you use for Like curves. Juice Robinson. Rock hard like Juice Robinson. Now, yes. see, now you're ruining it. You're ruining it. <laughs> Look club gold, baby. Bang bang gang. We're done. <laughs> I can't take no more of this. A heavy side, everything there. That's it for that one. <laughs>